Good morning, friends. Welcome to our 8.30 service on this, the 10th Sunday after Pentecost. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room, those of you uh, more we know joining us online. It's good to be together and to worship in God's house uh, in this way today. Uh, my name is James Howell. I'm still one of the pastors <laughs> here, and it's my privilege to be up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Reverend Jessica Dason. I turned it off instead of on. Sorry about that. <laughs> good morning. It's good to be with you all. I do want to highlight some opportunities for you coming up. Um, this month, as you know, is kind of back to school month. So our missions department is doing a collection for that. So please take the time to bring in some school supplies. Also, in two weeks, there's lots of different opportunities um, to serve so that we hope that as you are coming back into the swing of things, you'll find a way to plug in. There are meals to serve, there's building projects, there is something for every age and ability, so please take time to find a place to serve. Friends, it is good to be together. Let us continue on in worship.
Family of God, let us join our voices now as we profess our faith through the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Friends, it is a good and right thing when we come together to confess our sins before God and one another, knowing that there is no limit to God's grace. Please join me in the prayer of confession found in your bulletin. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Old Testament reading is Genesis chapter 32, beginning with the 22nd verse. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two maids, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled, as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he, said, then he said, your name shall no more be called Jacob, but Israel, 
for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray, your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel limping because of his thigh. Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Gospel reading is Matthew chapter 32, beginning with the 22nd verse. 
Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place apart. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. As he went ashore, he saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a lonely place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Jacob is alone in the night, but not really alone. Jesus withdraws to a quiet place. He's alone, but he's not really alone. We call that solitude. Solitude is when you are alone, but you're not lonely, right? You're with God. You're with God. Jesus withdrew for a time. Uh, for me, uh, let me uh, say it's good to be back from uh, the sabbatical that I have uh, been on. Uh, I have to say I've uh, missed you. I am, uh, I realize more than ever, I always know this, I'm one lucky dog uh, to have this job. I've had it for 20 years, so I'm really a lucky dog. And uh, I love this place. I love you. A bunch of you have said, Take a longer sabbatical. The people behind you are doing great. It's tempting. Tempting. I left you in great hands. I wouldn't leave you in anything other than great hands. So thanks to all those guys. Uh, one of the things I did during my sabbatical, uh, my wife Lisa uh, chided me a little bit. She said, you're not supposed to be working, but you're taking teenagers to Israel. That sounds like work to me. And I can tell you, it does not sound like work to me now that I have done it. I tell people, I took high school seniors to Israel, and they go, oh, have you ever taken grown-ups somewhere like this? Um, <laughs> these teenagers were absolutely remarkable. There was not, not one whined, not one was late, totally with the program. We have teenagers in this church who have a deep faith and so much love for each other. Uh, we toured the places where Jesus uh, lived and moved and other biblical characters, and then at night we shared with each other, and there's just so much love. I was just so moved uh, all of the time. I told them one of the ways to think about going to the Holy Land uh, isn't to say, wow, this is going to be a profound experience for me, but instead to think of it as uh, sort of, you're saying to Jesus, uh, we, we love you so much, we, we want to see where you lived, <laughs> right? Uh, I wanted to see the places where my father grew up. Show me where the house that you were born in. He took me and showed me. So Jesus, we want to see where you lived and where you uh, worked. One of those uh, places... Uh, group couldn't see. I can see it by myself later. You can't take a group there. It's in the crypt under the church of the Holy Sepulchre where Jesus was uh, buried not for long. Uh, there's, there's graffiti there. Just a few decades after Jesus' death, some pilgrims came there. There's a picture of it on your bulletin. And they drew a boat. So they must have come by boat, and then they wrote an inscription, and it's very simple. It says, Lord, we came. <laughs> Lord, we came. I love that. 
It's kind of what God asks of us is to just come, just to show up. Jesus praying, uh, Jesus withdrew to a quiet place. He prayed. Did he have a profound spiritual experience there? I don't know. Were his prayers answered there? I don't know. Jesus came. He showed up. He came into God's presence in that solitude. That's really, somebody asked me recently, how do you become spiritual? I want to think about that in the next few weeks, but, but a lot of it's just a matter of showing up. You just show up. You, you, you say your prayers. You show up for church. These high school seniors, I've got to tell you, these are kids that they've shown up and shown up and shown up and shown up. When we said there's a kindergarten program, they came. When we said there's a youth group, they came. When we said there's a small group to be in, they joined the small group. They just keep showing up, and the fruits of showing up over and over and over again are just beautiful. Just beautiful. Indeed, Lord, we came. Uh, Jacob came. He's actually not coming, though. He's on the run. He's in trouble with his brother. His marriage is troubled. He's offended his in-laws. He's in big trouble. And he is on uh, the run. He's one of those people that uh, he has to deal with his obstinate self all the time. Jacob is uh, resilient, we could say. I have to tell you, the most, uh, to me, the most moving story during the time that I've been away from you there's been a lot of stuff in the news, uh, but the most moving thing, I think by far, that's important, are those four names. Do you know them? Uh, Wesley, Selene, Tian, and Kristen, 13 years old, nine years old, four years old, one year old. Those children that survived in the Amazon for so long. I mean, what are we capable of, <laughs> right? What kind of beautiful creatures has God created in us? They were resilient. Jacob is resilient. Sometimes I wonder if toughness and resilience uh, can actually be a block against God. Frederick Buechner said this thing, uh, that we live our lives like a clenched fist. You know, the clenched fist can do good things. It can work. It can fight. It can hang on to things. The one thing, though, the clenched fist can't do is accept help. Except help. Jacob's the kind of guy who lives his life like a clenched fist. He's, he's tough. He's a fighter, but, but can he accept God's help? Can he accept God's help? God, sh God shows up. Who is angel? God, we don't know. In the dark, Jacob can't tell. And he wrestles uh, endlessly with uh, whoever this is, and uh, he's, that, that's pretty tough to wrestle with God and not just give up. And then it's interesting. It says that he uh, limped away. He holds his own in the battle, but then he limps away. He has uh, what Rabbi Jonathan Sachs called uh, honorable scars. I don't know if you thought about scars. I've talked about these uh, before. Um, Graham Greene wrote a great novel, The End of the Affair, and a woman talks about uh, her lover and points out that he has this terrible scar on his shoulder. She says she hopes that he has that scar throughout all of eternity because the way he got it is there was a wall that was crumbling and he dove in front of an older man to protect him from the falling wall and the wall came down and damaged his shoulder. She said that scar tells you something about who he is, about his love for other people. Uh, Rachel uh, Hollis, uh, she's interesting, she uh, kind of famously on Instagram uh, posted a photo of herself uh, post having a baby in a bikini. You can see the stretch marks. She says, women usually hide those stretch marks, but I'm proud of them. She said, those are stripes, and I have earned them. Like, I love that. Those are honorable, honorable scars. Um, I've got a scar now. 
as of April 19th. I will never again uh, be shirtless at a beach because I would frighten young children with this scar that I have. Uh, April 19th, Lisa and I were doing what we were doing. I suddenly was struck with horrible pain. Showed up at uh, the emergency room pretty quickly. A doctor was in front of me, and she said, you need to have surgery. I was expecting a pill, and I could go home. And I said, oh, when? She said, right now. This is at midnight. And I said, can't we wait till tomorrow? She said, you could die tonight. I said, well, what, what, right now sounds like just the perfect time. Then had 15 days in the hospital. I don't want to belabor that. I have two thoughts about it, though. Uh, Jacob wrestles in the middle of the night. Um, if you've been in the hospital for an extended stay, the nights are hard. The nights are hard at home, aren't they? <laughs> the nights are hard for me in the hospital, and uh, I was in pain and had horrible nausea. It was, it was tough. And uh, something that helped me then so I would pull out my phone. I had texts and emails from a bunch of you, and I had some handwritten notes that I kept by the bedside. A lot of you said that you were praying for me. We think that kind of thing doesn't matter, but it's almost as if in God's magic, the love that you have in your heart can travel across space and time. You were home asleep, but those prayers that you had lifted up for me, they came into my room and surrounded me and helped me get through um, some dark nights. The other thing I discovered during those dark nights, you know, the nurses, uh, bless their hearts, it's not their fault, they won't let you sleep, so they come in the room, poke and prod at unwelcome times. I tried not to get mad at them, I tried each one, when they would come in, I would say, what's your name? Tell me their name, and I would say, where are you from? And the answer to that is always interesting. People never said, I'm from Chicago. They'd say, I'm from Chicago, and then a story would start. They would tell me a long story about their life in Chicago and how they came to be in Charlotte. So interesting. People always have a story, like you think they're getting on your nerves, but actually they've got some story to share, and they just want somebody to listen. They just want somebody to care. It's amazing. I did not uh, learn the political ideology of anybody came in my room while I was there, but I did hear about wounds and dreams. Can help me think about why we're here and what we're about. Uh, let me hustle on. I've got to go down the hall uh, and preach. I love the uh, phrase, I hope you heard it uh, when David read it. Uh, the disciples come to Jesus and they've got a crowd after he's been alone. He comes out, there's a crowd there. <laughs> the disciples say, they're hungry. <laughs> it's great. They're hungry. You're like, Lord, do something. And what does Jesus say? He says, you give them something to eat. Like, I love that. Like, uh, Lord, do something. You give them something to eat. One of the things I love about our church is that uh, we know that God has said to us, you give them something to eat. Like, we're the people, like, we do something. My second day back at work, I went out to Plato Price out near the airport, and we consecrated seven homes out of 39 that are being built in a neighborhood there. I hope you love, as I do, being part of a church that wants to build a neighborhood for people that you don't know, but you hope to know one day. It's a cool thing. They're kind of miracles. Uh, we pray for God's help, but then we know that we're responsible. It's always both one of the amazing places, I think, that the teenagers went was to Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem. There's a subterranean tunnel in the stone there. 
the way it came to be is pretty amazing. Back in the 8th century B.C., this is way back. <laughs> in the 8th century B.C., uh, the uh, Israelites were being besieged by the Assyrians, and they knew that they were going to cut off the water supply, so they had to dig a tunnel quick. And so they said, let's dig it here. And so one group of uh, people burrowing through the stone started on this side, and the other group started on this side, two football fields apart. They didn't have the kind of detection systems that we would have, and they started digging and digging and digging, and they met in the middle. And when you hear that, you say, it's a miracle. Well, I don't know. If I'd been the guy digging the stone for days, I'd say, well, it's a miracle, but I got some scraped knuckles here, and I'm pretty tired. It's both, isn't it, right? It's human effort, and it's, there's a miracle in it. And that's our work as the church. Uh, we work hard, and there's a miracle in it. We ask for God's blessing. People may seem like uh, strangers. They're not strangers. I have a bunch of things I want to say more about, but I've got some more sermons to come in future weeks, so I don't have to get it all done uh, now. Uh, I do want to say this. Uh, Jacob is uh, suddenly there's a stranger, middle of the night, uh, that uh, attacks him. I've told some of you this story before. It was Father's Day, I don't know, some number of years ago. And for whatever reason, I was coming into town from someplace, and everybody was out of town. My son was gone, my daughters were gone, my wife was gone, and I was coming home to an empty house for Father's Day. And I was feeling a little bit kind of sorry for myself, like, eh, but then I thought, I'll get over it, it'll be fine, be good. I drive out, the house is pitch black, dark, and... Um, I get to the door, get the key, unlock it, I go in, it's dark, I reach for the light, and then, oh, somebody jumps on me. And this person has just wrestled me to the ground, and I think, this is, this is the night that I'm going to die. Here it is, it has come upon me. And I try to get up, and this person's stronger than I am, and then the light pops on, well, it's my son. He's shown up unexpectedly, parked down the street, Happy Father's Day. It's great. <laughs> a stranger. Uh, it's one of the things uh, with children, right? We say to children, don't talk to strangers. Uh, the problem is when we grow up, we don't talk to strangers. But it's a lot like don't cross the street. You tell children, don't cross the street. But when you grow up, you cross the street. You learn how to cross the street. Don't talk to strangers. Good advice to a four-year-old. But when you're growing up, you can actually learn to talk to strangers. And that's part of the secret of the spiritual life is learning to talk to strangers. Rabbi Sachs. Of this, he talks about someone for whom, it, it, someone to whom, it, to you, it's, it's a, he's a stranger. She's a stranger. Here, here's what he says. He says, "If you are, are human, so is the stranger. If he is less so, then so are you. Though he may not be in your image, he is nonetheless in God's image. Why should you not hate or fear the stranger?" because the stranger is God. What happens in this story? God appears in strangers. God wants us to love not just the people that are like us and look like us and that we know and are comfortable around, but who are the strangers? The strangers. Uh, I'll close uh, with uh, this. The moment that I love, Jacob's wrestling with this stranger. Who is it? Is it a, is it a thief? Is it an angel? Is it God himself? He, he perceives God. <laughs> Somehow, he says, tell me your name. Uh, Charles Wesley's hymn, it's love. Isn't that interesting? That, that love somehow in this attack. That's what my son's attack. It was love. He did that because he loved me. 
A lot of times our life is uh, hard and it's love. We want it to be easy and we think that that's love, but actually when it's hard, that can be the love. When I was in the hospital, somebody reminded me of a poem by John O'Donoghue who talks about having an illness. And, and, you know, what do you make of that spiritually? He says, I hope that for me, when I'm critically ill, that, that illness will be like a lantern in the dark, a lantern in the dark. Here's the way he puts it. I hope that that lantern will illuminate new qualities emerging in me and that that lantern will, in its light, release whatever has become false. I'm still trying to figure those things out what new qualities might be emerging in me? What do I need to release that might be false? Jacob asks the stranger, he perceives God's in it somehow, and he says, I won't, I love this, his, his chutzpah, right? He says, I won't let you go until you bless me. <laughs> like, I won't let go of this challenge. I won't let go of this pain. I won't let go of this hurt. I won't let go of this nightmare. I won't let go of whatever it is that we are dealing with. I won't let it go until I find the blessing in it. There's always a blessing in it because there's always a God. There's always a blessing in it because there's always God. It's the grace. It's the love. It's so lovely. Friends, it's um, good to be back uh, with you and uh, to see you out there listening to me uh, ramble sometimes, but to think together about God and our lives, and how to find blessing, and how to be a blessing to others. Thanks be to God.
friends, let us go to God in prayer. Lord, we gather this morning to worship because we desire to grow in love with you and to encounter your presence together. Remind us of your compassion and reaffirm your grace as we pray and praise you. You are with us. And so we, may we be fully present to be in your presence here and now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Spirit of the living God, we give thanks for your tender love for your world and for all your children. You created us to be brothers, sisters, and friends together. So enable us to no longer obsess to be more like the world or even become a better version of this world. But instead, may we be different from the world, to be transformed people who give witness to God contrary to the values of this world toward God's love. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Help us to know ourselves as you know us. Help us to know our neighbors as you know them. Help us to know the strangers and foreigners in our midst as you know them. Help us to know our so-called enemies like you know them. You know all of us in the light of forgiveness, generosity, and mercy. So may we do alike. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The worldly images of beauty surround us and bombards us. The image of beauty that we seek often leaves us weary and wanting. Instead, may we seek the beauty as witness through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. You are beautiful. So may we become beautiful like you and learn to celebrate the same images of beauty that you celebrate. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up all those who mourn this day, those who've experienced losses. We lift up especially the family of Marilee Grogan as she has finished her course in faith and now rests in heaven's eternal. We're grateful that you have received her into your presence. So trusting in the assurances of the promises of God, we are able to pray the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. As always, friends, we're so grateful for our collective calling to do God's work, for our collective generosity to empower the ministries of our church. As the ushers come forward, let us give with grateful hearts as we receive our morning tithes and thanksgiving.
Loving and gracious God, we offer a portion of it you first given to us. You are a generous God. So bless these gifts so that they may become seeds of generosity, bringing life to others. In Jesus' name, amen.
And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen.